Welcome to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast, exploring leadership in nursing through inspiring conversations. Today's episode is sponsored by AACN's eLearning, offering online courses for nurse preceptors like the Preceptor Challenge, with information available at aacn.org forward slash precept. Now here's your host, AACN's Chief Clinical Officer, Connie Barton. This is Connie Barton. I'm really excited today to get to talk with Dr. Justin DeLibro. Justin is assistant professor and nursing grad chair at Rhode Island College. And Justin, I really appreciate you carving out some time for a chat today. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I love the topic that we've selected. It really is about helping nurses find themselves, find their identity, I would say, through unexpected opportunities that sort of come along the way. And um, I want to start with something you've shared with me a little bit about. You weren't so sure you were going to be a nurse in the first place. So there's an unexpected opportunity that must have come your way. Tell us a little bit about that. How did you end up uh, going into nursing? It was one of many unexpected opportunities. You know, when I first started college my first year, I wasn't quite sure what direction I wanted to go. I knew I loved science um, and I loved people, and I wasn't sure where that was going to take me. Uh, I thought maybe medicine. I thought maybe social work. So I took classes in those directions for my first year, um, and I had to pause my education after my first year for a little while. Uh, I have a twin sister, and she was working at the time as a a nursing assistant in a long-term care facility, and she said, hey, you know, you should come do this with me. And I said, yeah, no, you're crazy. Long story short is um, after much conversation, I did end up taking that position as a nursing assistant in the long-term care facility. And I fell in love with nursing immediately. And I knew that this was my path. Um, the opportunity to build the relationships with, uh, with residents um, over, over a long period of time. And you know, for me, what I realized is Although you have all of these wonderful opportunities and professions um, in healthcare, it's the nurse who is at the bedside with the patient, and that's where I wanted to be. First of all, I want to tell you we we must be sort of twins, so maybe you've got triplets instead of you and your you and your sister, because when you said I knew I loved science and I knew I loved people, somebody asked me just last week about me and nursing, and that was exactly the answer I gave. Like, how many professions do you get to combine those two things? It's fascinating. I love that answer. I've also heard you say, speaking with this thing of unexpected opportunities, every new opportunity gives you something to love. Tell me a little bit about that quote. It's very poetic. I love it. How have you found that to be so? Over the course of my career, there have been opportunities that present themselves. And I have found when you have doors that open um, to follow that path, to take advantage of those opportunities. And within every opportunity in my experience is a chance to give something back to the community, to the profession, to our patients, to give back to others who have supported us and an equal opportunity to continue to grow. And through that process, there might be other opportunities that that come along. And so this is an ever-evolving process. Um, But absolutely, in every every opportunity is something to love and is a chance to contribute. 
I totally get that. And to grow yourself while you're giving back to other people. And you've had quite a journey. You've been in small community kind of hospitals, made a transition to larger tertiary, more academic centers. And that is a transition. So when you have done those things over time, how did you keep centered on your inner purpose and drive as you really evolved your career along the way? For me, as a nurse, I think that inner, that core purpose needs to be the central focus and everything drives from that. I don't know if you know this, Connie, I started my career with an associate's degree. So when I decided I was going to go back to nursing and I put myself through school, the associate degree option was was a path that allowed me to um, afford my education, to get my initial RN and then to continue on for, you know, I took the long way around. I got my bachelor's degree, I got my master's degree and eventually my doctoral degree. So after graduating with my associate degree, I took my first position at a community college on a uh, telemetry unit. That was the first opportunity where I had the chance to fall in love with what I was doing. And what I loved most about that job was the connections that you build with patients and with families, similar but different to what happens in perhaps a long-term care facility, but the opportunity to support patients and families to better understand their disease processes, their treatment regimens in a way that had a positive impact on their health outcomes. And I love that. I knew from day one when I first entered my associate degree program, though, that my my goal was to, to advance my education, to move towards an advanced practice role. Um, specifically, I wanted to be a nurse practitioner. I had it all planned out. I was going to be a nurse practitioner in cardiology. That's what I I love the the unit that I started on. And you know what? They had a great group of cardiologists and a great nurse practitioner who we worked with. So after a couple of years of of practice, two years about, um, I was ready to go back and finish my bachelor degree and, and start thinking about a master's degree program. And the nurse practitioner who I worked with um, was one of my first mentors in nursing. And she said, you know what, I, I will be your preceptor, but I, I think you should go and, and spend a year in an intensive care unit um, in, in the city that will really support you well through your ACNP program. So off I went to the city, to Boston, um, took my first position on a medical intensive care unit. Whoa, I immediately fell in love with critical care and I've never looked back since. My plan was to spend a year um, in the ICU to get that experience while I finished my bachelor degree. I stayed there for uh, 15 years until I took my current position here teaching at the college. So, yeah. That's amazing. And I love your terminology, another chance to fall in love with something. So you had this plan going to be a nurse practitioner, but then you took a little detour to that plan, right? You, your advanced practice roles have been different from that. I still um, got my master's degree in an advanced practice role, uh, the role of the clinical nurse specialist. But what happened in between there, because I was so sure that I knew what I wanted to do earlier on, what I found for myself is to have that core purpose, but also to be flexible, to be open, because, well, I can only speak from my experience. Over the course of your career, you grow, you mature in your profession, you're exposed to different experiences and different opportunities. So if you're flexible and open to that, your career will take you in paths and and in directions that you might not anticipate right now. I matured in my critical care practice. Um, I was exposed to different roles. So in the academic tertiary medical center, we had 
many clinical nurse specialists, there was not a clinical nurse specialist role in the community hospital. So I didn't really know much about the role. I hadn't been exposed to it. Early on, uh, probably after I had about a year of practice in the, in the ICU, I had this amazing opportunity to become our unit's ventilator associated pneumonia champion. There's an honor. <laughs> yeah, I was excited about it. And to me, that work was not just about checking the boxes, right? It really was about looking at what's happening in practice and what is the evidence and how are we getting that evidence to the patient, right? So we looked at the orders. Do we have, have our SUD and PPD prophylaxis ordered? And we'd look at the head of the bed elevation. And you know what we found is the digital readout at the foot of the bed did not match the mechanical protractors that were installed on the bed frame. The majority of the time, the head of the bed was not at 30 degrees. Um, many nurses would eyeball, right? And we felt pretty confident in what we were doing, but we were missing the mark. We were more often at 20 degrees for head of bed at elevation. We were able to, over time, a short period of time, change practice to get the head of the bed elevation up. At one point, we got some new bed frames, a couple of new bed frames, and realized that we didn't have the protractors installed on the bed frame. So we got to work with uh, engineering to get those protractors installed. Over time, we saw our ventilator-associated pneumonia rates drop to almost nothing. And we saw a difference in our unit versus other units initially. Eventually, this traveled all across the, all of our critical care units. And that was an aha moment for me. You know, I loved caring for our critically ill patients, and I love the challenge of the sickest of the sick with multiple vasoactives and the yeah. invasive monitoring, and, and yeah. you know, that, that was exciting to me. But despite having the most complex medical management for our patients, if we don't get the best meticulous critical care practice and get that evidence to the bedside, our patients are still going to suffer poor outcomes. And so much of that opportunity rests within nursing practice um, at its core. In realizing that the clinical nurse specialist was one position whose role encompasses many aspects, the advanced clinical practice, you take that advanced knowledge to the bedside, you're consulting on patients, you're looking at the evidence, you're looking at policies, you're looking at the system, you're supporting nurses to advance their practice and provide the best nursing care. That was um, as I grew to realize the role for me. I wanted to do a little bit of all of it, and, and this was the opportunity to do that. I totally get that. I was a CNS for many years, too. I just think it's the best role in the hospital. It still is. Every hospital, every unit or department should have one. And what I'm intrigued by is uh, one thing I didn't mention in your introduction is you're now in a different role. You're now in academia, and one of your roles there at Rhode Island College is a nursing DNP director. So let's talk a little bit about your wandering now from more clinical practice to academia and how that fits with this journey of unexpected opportunities and how you made your way to academia. So I started my advanced practice with my master's degree. After a few years, I went on and got my doctoral degree. Education is a core, in, in my experience, a core aspect of the CNS role. It's not the only aspect, but it's a core aspect. And it's an aspect that I love. So I envisioned myself teaching in an academic setting at some point um, over the course of my career, but maybe not this early in my career and certainly not serving in the roles and in the ways that I am um, today. How did that happen? There was a job posting for uh, this tenure line position here at Rhode Island College. I saw that as an opportunity to understand a little bit more 
about the opportunities that were out there, the possibilities, what this um, academic nurse educator role was all about. So I interviewed, my intention was information gathering. But when I interviewed, you know, sometimes you just have those moments and you know that all the stars have aligned and this is the right environment and this is the right position and now is the right time. And that's what happened for me. So I started um, teaching here at Rhode Island College in 2018. My first semester, I taught um, lecture and clinical for um, junior and senior undergraduate students. And boy, I love that. And after my first semester, I had the opportunity to develop a new um, doctoral level course and then to move into the DNP director role mm -hmm. here um, at the college. So I've been um, in that role for most of my time here. Um, and just this year, I've had the opportunity to take on the role of the chair of the graduate department overseeing all of our graduate programs. Everything that you talk about, there's the word opportunity. And what I'm hearing is just stay open and look for these opportunities because what I get is, as I sort of have this mental picture of your career trajectory, there's new and different and broadening ways to have impact. You know, it's one thing to have impact at the bedside. Now you're having impact in academia. So what do you think are two or more factors that come to mind when we talk about factors for having impact? What do you keep in mind about how can I really do my best contribution and have the most impact? What comes to mind when I ask you that? I think it's important to come from that place of inner purpose, your why, right? Um, so it's not just jumping at every opportunity that comes along in all kinds of directions, but what is my core purpose and how do these opportunities align with my purpose? And so along with that is being flexible. But I also think there's a component of being humble. Being humble is a thread that I see throughout every aspect of my career. And it's something that I um, try to talk to my students at every level about. In nursing and healthcare, we often perpetuate the sense that you feel that you're supposed to know everything. And you know what I've come to realize over time? First is that I certainly don't know everything, but also is that none of us know everything and none of us will ever know everything, but it takes all of us working together, understanding one another's strengths, understanding um, one another's areas of expertise. And when we work together, then we can achieve greatness. Understanding that, allows us to move from a place where we feel uncomfortable, where we feel I need to hide behind the curtain, to a place where I feel comfortable reaching out and saying, hey, Connie, have you ever experienced X, Y, or Z? Or I'm about to do a procedure or care for a patient that I've, I've not cared for a patient like this before. Can we talk about this? Sometimes even more importantly than asking questions, because we don't always know the right questions to ask, Absolutely. but telling our story. Right. If I can tell my story, then somebody else who has had an experience, there's a little red flag. Have you thought about X, Y, or Z? Or can I show you X, Y, or Z? So being humble leaves yourself in a position where you're open to benefiting from the collective experience. I love that. Yeah, that makes total sense. I, I used to tell nurses that I would teach the most dangerous nurse is a nurse who does not ask any questions. Sure. Because the concern is they just run off and do whatever they think is the best idea rather than what you're talking about being together. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you say be humble, be together, be flexible. These are things that really drive how you live your life and build your career, it seems. For sure. Being together is certainly a word that we have really focused on during this pandemic. What have you seen about that in terms of people 
doing well or having trouble with the pandemic and so forth. It just seems that this concept of coming together really has been crucial during the time of COVID. Any thoughts about that? That concept of togetherness is, as you have said today, more important than it has ever been before. You know, I see that playing out on many levels, just on a day-to-day basis. And you, you see and you hear about the stories of how nurses, and not just nurses, the entire team has supported one another through the challenges of the shift to be able to, to step forward and, and, and come back to, to care for patients another day. I see a broader sense of togetherness. It's not just one-on-one on the unit, but it's our broader community coming together as a community of nurses. But also, AACN has been a big part of that. I was talking with one of my doctoral students who um, was in a leadership and a management position um, here at a, at a local hospital. And she described the experience, the beginning of the pandemic, when we've got this new disease process that's coming that we don't fully understand. We don't know how to protect ourselves. We don't know how to care for patients. We already see more patients than we can. We're at surge capacity. We've got to cross-train and upskill non-critical care nurses to care for these really sick patients without the the resources or the knowledge to do that. And you feel that sense of panic and you feel alone, but then you turn around the next second and you realize you're not alone because AACN has already thought about this. We've got the COVID education that, that was rolled out for everyone. And here at this lens now in academia, I have seen that reach not just for nurses in the practice setting, but um, it's had a reach for nurses in the academic setting because they're here as a student one day and the next day they're moving out into this environment. And so that has given them put up to be able to enter the workforce. We can only do that and we have done that together. I think it supported us through the early days of the pandemic. Um, I think that's how we're getting through where we are today as we've continued now for you know so long dealing with these challenges. And I think that is the only way that we're going to move forward to emerge from this pandemic. You know, and our goal is not to get back to where we were. Our goal is to get to a different and a better place. I think we will do that and we will do that together. You know, that is such an interesting perspective because I certainly expected you to talk about being together, you know, with your peeps, your peeps there on the unit and all of that. But you make a really good point. And you and I are are prejudiced about AACN. We both know and love the organization. But I think it's a good point at seeing AACN as that community, you know, a community of what do we have? 130,000 members almost, you know, people there that you can be together with and together with the organization resources. I hadn't thought about that. So there are lots of ways locally being together with your friends and colleagues in all disciplines and then across the country in other ways through networks and that type of thing. One thing I, I want to ask you just sort of in general, not necessarily COVID related, but I imagine you may have sought or had mentors and students might ask you sometimes about mentors and should I seek a mentor in my journey and so forth. Do you have any things that you advise people about in terms of mentors? Are they accidental mentors or more intentional type things? What's been your experience around that? You can't get through this without having a mentor and it's not having a mentor. Hmm. In my experience, you need to have many mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that is done intentionally. Some of that is done um, accidentally. I could right now name off the top of my head at least um, 10 mentors who are still active for me um, at this time. What I tell my students 
entering the, the profession as you look to the nurse, to the leader, to the individual who you aspire to become. And those are the people that you surround yourself with. Those are the people that you learn from. And those are your role models that support you along the way. Sometimes you need a mentor for different aspects. So maybe you there's somebody who is clinically brilliant who can support you in developing those clinical competencies. Maybe it's somebody who has such a way with um, communication um, or somebody who is able to see how the broader pieces of the, of the system all fit together. Over time, you get to know your own strengths and your own opportunities very well. And if you pay attention, you'll see those individuals around you who are the person that you want to become. I love that. Pay attention and be open. And let me ask you, here's your opportunity, because unfortunately, it's time we have to we have to wrap up. But if you had like open mic, your opportunity to give thoughts or words of wisdom, whether it's to students or other nurses or whatever, what would sort of be your closing comments about all this stuff we've talked about today? In terms of leadership, and by the way, I think nurses, whether you're your first day um, in the nursing workforce or whether you're an experienced uh, manager, director, educator, that all of us are leaders. Some of these core principles that we've talked about are what I would encourage folks to adapt as, as your guiding principles. Be purposeful first. Have that mm-hmm. inner passion. Uh, be flexible. Be open. Be humble, meaning it's okay not to know everything. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. I guess along with that is be brave. I've heard it put this way that being brave is not the absence of fear, but it's um, being able to step forward despite fear. And so I think those concepts go together. You know, when you're new, it might be common to feel uncomfortable. I think there's often a sense of discomfort through every phase of your career, because you know what, as you step forward to new opportunities, you're new in that role again, right? And you're learning. And um, it's kind of that we have novice to expert, but we also have that expert to novice. So, So getting comfortable with that discomfort and using some of these principles, being together and being kind. I totally get that. Dr. Justin DeLibro, I've known you for a number of years, but we've never had a chance to talk at this level. So I really want to thank you. And here's what I want to tell you. If anyone has been listening to this and they're not sure whether or not to become a nurse or they're not sure what to do next and so forth, I think they got it now because what I hear listening to you is basically finding what you love. There's your guidance, knowing about your purpose, staying humble, being together with other people, being flexible and open. That was our whole topic, open to Mm -hmm. unexpected opportunities. Nursing is a chance to grow. It's a chance to give back. It doesn't matter what level you start in nursing. You can advance your education to fit what you're learning and where you're going. And um, just stay in tune with your inner purpose and do what you love, and it's all going to turn out. So what a joyous way to wrap up our conversation, and thank you for sharing all of that today. It's been a real pleasure, Justin. Thank you. It's been a pleasure here also, and thank you for having me, Connie. Thank you for listening to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast, proudly sponsored by AACN's Preceptor Challenge, with information available at aacn.org forward slash precept. We welcome your thoughts on this episode or ideas for future topics. Feel free to email us anytime at podcasts at aacn.org.